It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports and Sean Smith of On the Forecheck, the show where we talk about the Preds, talk about plenty of hockey going on in Nashville. Um, there is not a lot of hockey going on in Nashville right now because the Nashville Predators are not in the playoffs anymore, emphatically, no. having been swept. But nonetheless, Sean and I are going to continue this podcast going throughout the summer once a week, obviously on Sundays as we normally do. And the only different thing about the summer is we will do audio only. So you're probably listening to this only on audio, unless for some reason you have created some sort of video version of this on your own, which would be very strange. <laughs> but uh, we are only going to do audio for the summer and then we'll be back in the fall with uh, full video on YouTube and everything. The only reason for that is because you know, one of the highlights of doing a video is we can show kind of highlights and clips and interviews and stuff like that. And we really just don't have that for the summer. So it's it's boring to just sit there and look at our faces. I mean, maybe it's fun. But um, anyways, we're going to do audio only and we have plenty to talk about. So what's up, Sean? Oh, man. I, you know, I think it's, it's funny here. You're saying if unless someone creates their own, you know, animated version of this or something. That's kind that of what I was be... going for, like an animated version yeah. of it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious, like, what style it would be in. Are we going, like, Simpsons? Is it anime? Like, like Squiggle what I, Vision? Like, like, yeah, yeah, like what Squiggle do, Vision. <laughs> squiggle Vision. Was yeah, that, like, like Dr. Katz. Yeah, Dr. Katz, home movies. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I think that would be, that would be good. It just, just like a couple of really, really just, you know, cool dudes hanging around talking about <laughs> hockey or the lack thereof. Yeah. Um, I hope, I hope whoever animates it wouldn't make me you know, too handsome. I'd hate to get people's expectations up in the off season and then come back, you know, for like, <laughs> for like preseason people go, Whoa, wait, who's this? If they replace exactly, this handsome yeah. guy with some, some loser. Um, I was expecting I, the animate animated version of Sean. Yeah. We don't, we don't like this, this real life version. The guy they got to play him looks terrible. Um, but <laughs> I, I think it's funny, you know, you say there's not a lot of hockey going on. It's, it's you live in this weird world, I think, where you're like you're so focused on one thing for such a long period of time from like yes. September through yes. you know through May, and then all of a sudden it's gone. But at the same time, there's still a few teams that are out there playing, and you're like, wait, wh- what is this? Like, why why am I not yeah. focused on this so much? It is it is very strange going from the the sort of constant presence of covering yeah. a team in in your world every day. I mean like even when the team doesn't play it's like every day you got to think about okay what am what am I writing about next? What's what's coming up on the schedule? What's yeah. what's on the horizon now for this team? Uh and and you know obviously in the summer there's still things going on. I mean free agency, this draft and stuff, but it's just it's so much so much more stretched out. I mean we have oh, yeah. We have a month and a half basically until the next big thing, which is free agency and draft. Like a month and a half. That's a long time. There's not been a stretch like that in, in a while because like of the, well, except for COVID, but that was obviously different. Nothing was happening yeah, then. Nothing. 
Um, just, I mean, I, I I ordered I ordered a Nintendo Switch. Whoa! To cover my summer months here, because and I, I don't, I'm not a big gamer. Like I'm not a video gamer, but I was reach, I reached out to my good buddy Chris Martell. Uh, I've been thinking about getting a Switch. Should I do it? What game should I get? So he gave me some good advice, and so did you? I got a pretty pretty good deal on one, and I'm gonna go with some Mario Kart. I'm gonna go with some old school games. I'm gonna pull up the the, the online stuff where you can play all the old Super NES games. And, oh yeah, Nintendo 64 games. I'm gonna do all that. So did you go with the uh, like the full Switch, or did you go with like the light? The full thing, man. Going so you're you're like committed. I'm going full you're Switch. Like, I'm playing this on yeah. the big screen. I'm not messing around. <laughs> It's it's game time. What was the, what was right. the last uh, what was the last console you've owned prior? To I, I have a PlayStation Four, but that was like I mean I bought that like five years ago. I don't. I can't even keep up with the Playstations yeah. anymore. I think the last. So, I think I had a PlayStation Two and a Wii. If that gives yeah. you any indication. <laughs> there you go. We have a Wii too. All right, we'll, we'll we'll put the video game talk. We can we can come back to the video games at the end if you want. We can we can return okay. to that. In fact, I might do actually that. do that because it sounds interesting to talk about. But we do need to talk about um, one major thing that happened this past week, and that was the David Poyle, John Hines press conference. It, it, and at the same time, announcement that John Hines has signed a two-year has signed a two-year extension. Um, there was a lot of stuff there. I mean, it was it was a long. It was basically like almost an hour full of of being of not just the conference, but the the one-on-ones after where we got a lot of really good stuff. Um, credit to the Preds for giving us pretty much unfettered access to David Poyle and John Hines for the better part of an hour, which is, yeah. I have not seen that in a while. It has been a long time, obviously zoom and everything. It was impossible, but like even before that with like lobby led 2019, 2018, you didn't really see that. Um, so I, I think that, that, that was really good stuff. However, we did see a lot of the same or hear a lot of the same kind of things. I, I, I'm interested to hear, hear your take. But but from my perspective, David Poyle, um, you know, sounded a bit defensive on, on, mm -hmm. on in the term in terms of the accomplishments of this team and like what the expectations actually were. He talked about the competitive rebuild, how he had labeled it that and how, you know, it, they, they he he in his mind, they were competitive. And in his mind, they also kind of rebuilt um, because they got some younger guys and they got full years out of younger guys like Alex Carrier and Tomasino. And, and they, they acquired Jeremy Lozon, who's younger, I guess. Um, he kind of defended the, the trade of si sending a second round pick to Lozon. He, he defended, you know, where how the team was competitive on the ice. And he talked about how it was an exciting year with two 40 goal scorers and Roman Yossi doing what he did and UC Soros and. Um, but he also was very, he was also laid the majority of the blame, any blame that can be said about the season on himself and said, it was all about, I didn't give John Hines the, the team that he needed. Right. And so, um, I, I feel like that's, that's the story of the last five years is, as David Boyle has made roster mistakes and here's another example of it. So what did you think about everything on Thursday? I, I would have to agree pretty much with everything you said, just in general, the, the actual, I guess you'd say, press conference aspect of the event. Um, I think the one thing I would point out, I might add, is that even though 
Coyle was willing to kind of shoulder the blame um, for not getting the players that Hines needed to get the job done. Um, he also seemed to have a very, I don't know how you'd explain this. Like he, he wasn't like just, he wasn't just making excuses, but he, he really seemed like he wanted a little more credit for his past successes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and we're talking five years after the fact, um, like it was, it was more like, I guess you'd say like when you're trying to defend yourself against an accusation that you haven't done something very well. And instead of pointing to positive things you've done in the, in the, in the more recent history, you're talking about what happened five years ago. Um, almost like, uh, you know, almost like a, like a small town high school quarterback who, you know, now like washes the cars at the used car lot. <laughs> And they're like, you know, this this uh, this car didn't get really clean. And he's like, yeah, but you remember when I threw those three touchdowns in the regional playoff game? And mm -hmm. everyone's like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember that, but the car is not clean. Like, you're just going to have to reclean it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, like, it, there's there is a lot of that sort of uh, holding on to. Now, there was another part where he talked about where Poyle talked about why. So, like, there were some questions about if especially if Forsberg is not re-signed, which we can touch on in a minute, yeah. is the team willing to, or is he willing to put the team into a deeper rebuild mode, like a, a more substantial actual rebuild mode where you suck for at least a couple years. Right. Acquire some top picks. The answer seems to be like, no, that that's not even on the table. There's, there's no way they're going to do that. They will always try to be competitive no matter what. And it goes back to, as Boyle talked about, it goes back to his his time running the team in 1998, starting the team in 98, when he needed to have a team that was competitive on the ice in order to build a fan base. And that worked. And it, it definitely, all obviously through the trots years, that very much worked. Like that, they built a, a really solid fan base um, by just being competitive and not even, not, not necessarily competing for a cup or anything. Um, but it feels like, you know, they kind of made the jump to real competition with Laviolette, and then they make the cup run. And now he's still gone back to the pre, the trots days, the, the early trots days. Where we're like, oh, well, we just need to be competitive because we can't, we can't, um, we can't go into the tank because we'll lose our fan base. Like, I think that they're right. misreading this situation, don't you? Um, I don't know. I, I think his comment, and I, I don't have the exact wording, was, was something along the lines of, you know, you, you don't want to go through that. You don't, you know, you yeah. don't want to go through the two or three years of, you know, being a, what you would call a tank team with the hope of getting a, a number one, you know, pick in order to get some, you know, get a generational talent on the team. Hopefully, you know, it's, it's a big gamble. <clears throat> um, and I don't think, I don't think the risk is worth the reward because the reward may not come. Um, and I, yeah. I guess, I guess, you know, is he misreading it? Is, does he think he's going to lose fans because they, if they tanked, if they had a fire sale and got rid of everybody? Um, I don't, I think you would lose a yeah. lot of fans that are there for the party. Um, you know, I think, <laughs> I think the people who understand the concept of, of building a team and, what it takes to put a team together and, and how, you know, the, the ebb and flow of uh, draft picks and, and draft lotteries and, and, you know, good 
draft classes versus weaker draft classes are going to say, you know, this is a smart move because it'll pay off in a couple of years. But the people who want to go watch the team win um, Mm -hmm. may not stick around for that. So I don't know how far off he is. Maybe, maybe you and I disagree on that a little bit, but um, is it worth, do you think it's worth just tearing the team down at this point? Um. I think I think it's what's clear to me is that unless the team, I mean, unless the team has, I mean, look at the the, the last few Cup winners. I mean, like it it seems very clear you need a generational talent to really make it in this league. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, a Nikita Kucherov, a Steven Stamkos, an Alex Ovechkin. Uh, a Sidney Crosby. Now, the Blues year is a little bit of an anomaly because, like, they didn't really have one of those. I mean, I guess Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly were the biggest two, but, like, those guys are not on the level as other names that I just mentioned. Um, the Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, those guys. So, like, all of those players I just mentioned were acquired by sucking for a few years. Now, the Tampa yeah. one, Tampa didn't suck as much as, you know, the other, other teams. So, like... If you could do it kind of like how Tampa did it, where you are relatively competitive, you're not really competitive for a cup, but like you you don't you don't lose your fan base by being like awful. That would be the way to do it. So like I think there is a path through that. Tampa would be the model. But Tampa also had like they they hit rich on a lot of really good players, like down yeah. like in in I mean Nachushkin was not a high draft pick. Um Samkos was. I mean, where, where was Nachushkin drafted? Not not I'm saying Nachushkin. I'm thinking of Valerie Nachushkin. I'm thinking of I'm talking about uh um Kucherov? Oh yes, Kucherov, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> not Nachushkin. I, I, I I'm thinking about Nachushkin because I was I was gonna mention something later, but Nichu, uh Kucherov was a second round draft pick. Yeah. So um well you it, can it, find it'll be interesting. Guys. Be interesting to see who the Predators take in the second round. Oh yeah, they didn't. They don't have that pick. Oh, that's um, right. <laughs> Sorry. And, okay, so like I, I will say this: that they they do have they do have a couple players that they've got they've gotten in the first round that I think could be like, um, solid. I mean, like Askarov. All yeah. signs point to Askarov being like a an elite goalie in this league, and he's here. He's going to be in Milwaukee next year. Yep. I bet we'll see him by 2023, 2024. Yeah. And then like so. he's going to be good. I mean, people he has a better promise than or at least or at least as good of a promise as Vasilevsky in Tampa who yeah. is incredible. So like Yep. That's kind of his track anyways. We'll, we'll we'll talk more about that. But um back to the to the press conference. I I I think that the big question for Poyle was Kind of what we're talking about is it was he is he willing to take the team into the dumps in order to get a top draft pick and that the answer seems to be no. Yeah. So I I think that's an okay answer too. Like I don't I don't have a problem with that. I, I'd much rather see a team compete. Would, here's the thing. I, I think I would be interested to see what it would look like. What would a fan base that you've built up over the last 24 years actually look like if the team sucked for two years if the com- team committed to being terrible for two years like i'm talking like an arizona level like buffalo Ooh. uh ottawa like a really deep like 
where you are obviously going to have a top three pick. Right. What would that actually look like? What what would the fan what would what would the fan turnout actually be like? I I, I think it would be it would they would not sell the sellout streak would definitely be gone and they would not sell out every game. But I don't think it would dip below like ten thousand. I think I think you'd have twelve to fourteen thousand every night, which is like better than those other teams I mentioned. I mean, Ottawa's not pulling twelve thousand, fourteen thousand a night. No, Arizona I, I, is not pulling half that. I think you're right. I think you would have really good attendance still. I don't know that you'd sell out every game, but you, you have to remember too that you know when it comes to okay, so the on ice product, right? That's that's mm-hmm. coming from David Poyle, but then you've got everything else that goes on at the arena, and that's coming from Sean Henry, and he's proven to be pretty good at, at putting on a spectacle and making a show that people want to come see. So, you know, you'd have people that were going to come. Here's Even a comparable. Not- I just I just pulled up some some attendance things, because I, I, the reason I'm talking about attendance is, do you remember what Poyle said about the attendance thing, about how like yeah. if he's not worried about fan apathy because if the fan if if the attendance was like only six thousand a night or something like that, then he would be worried. But if fan attendance right. is there, he's not worried. So that's why I'm going back to attendance because I think that's the marker for him. Okay. And for the for the front office. All right, let's take Columbus, for example. Columbus was not a competitive team this year. They didn't make the playoffs. Columbus pulled 16,000 fans a night. Like, I think the Predators could absolutely manage a couple years pulling 15, even 14,000 a night for, for 41 games, not making the playoffs, commit to have, having a top 10 draft pick for a couple years in a row, and be fine, I, and come out of it better on the other end, and and actually rebuild, build, you know, play to their strength. They have, they do have a pretty good scouting system and a good a good draft strategy. Usually, not all the time, not with forwards, but generally speaking, they have a pretty good pretty good ability to draft to draft at least two of the major positions. Um, but you know, I, I if a team like and the I mentioned Columbus because they're an expansion team in a non-traditional market, well, somewhat of a non-traditional market. And they, they seem to be, they, they didn't really miss a lot of the, of their attendance. They had like, they were like 90% capacity. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that there's something to me, I think he's not seeing what could actually be. And it goes back to, you know, I, I, I also just, I continue to think that, David Poyle, the time for David Poyle is over. I think that they need to they need to have total new front office management to to run the team at this point. I think he's not he's not quite in touch with what needs to happen with this team right now. Well, you know, in in light of that comment, in light of that comment, there's there's probably got to be a line of thought for him as well that if he says, "Okay, let's let's tank." I'm sure that's not the word that would come out of his mouth, but you know, let's let's do a total rebuild. Let's tear it down. That also kind of signifies, and I guess you have to think about this in the context of where he is in his career. If you have been working at something, you know, let's say post post 2017, you know, okay, we're 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 trying to build a team that's going to win the cup or at least be in competition for it every year and you see that the results are kind of stagnant, if you say we're going to tear it all down, you're either going to be viewed as someone who's willing to do what it takes, no matter what it is, 
or you're going to be viewed as someone who is ineffective because you're giving up on your plan. Um, you know, this was my plan. This is what we've been working on. And then at, you know, at this point in his career, if he says, my plan didn't work, we're going to have to start over. That would probably be a signal to people that his time is done, if that makes yeah. sense. So I, I guess, I guess I can see it from the perspective of, you know, it would be a very good move. The fan base could endure a couple of years. Um, but trying to look at it from the, the human side of David Poyle, it would also probably signify that he was done. And I think that may be what's holding him back from making. If he were, if he were 55 or 60 years old, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it's as much of a signal that the career is over. Um, but I think if you, if you make that decision at this stage in the career, you're saying, Hey, what I'm doing is not working. Yeah. I, I, I think that unless he comes to that realization, it's not going to happen, but um there's there's a lot to there's so much credit that David Poyle deserves for for everything with this franchise. I just I just think you know everything has to end at some point, and I, I think this is this is kind of the time when it probably should end because if you what you don't want is you don't want a rebuilding you, you don't want a, an ineffective GM to also do your rebuild. Go get a re, no. go get a GM that can can rebuild you the right way. So that's just kind of where I'm at with it, but. Get you a get you a GM that can do both. Who, who would you who would you take? Who do you think could, you know? I I don't have a good read on on GMs in the NHL that, that are available. That that is that is a worry, right? I mean, like if you fired David Poyle, who do you get in his place? Who do you bring back, or who, who do you who do you get put in that spot? I mean, I think Scott Nickel has promise. Yeah, Scott Nickel would be not exactly fresh blood, but I think he probably has a better read on the young game in the NHL and, 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 and he would not necessarily get stuck in, I've got relationships with these guys. So these are the guys I'm hiring. Right. I, I, I don't know Scott Nickel. I'm just, I'm guessing here, but I, I would be willing to bet that Scott Nickel would be um, kind of a fresh set of eyes. And he's, you know, he's obviously the, he's the GM in Milwaukee right now. So, and then yeah. obviously as, as, you probably are thinking that could give Carl Taylor a, a good chance to, to become the coach. Speaking of coach, John Hines signs a two-year deal. Just real quick on that. I think we both agree that that's a good, that's a good signing, right? hundred percent. I, I really had a, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know why. And I'm, I'm sure that people on the Twitter would be more than happy to tell me. I don't, I don't see a lot of <clears throat> great reasoning behind a lot of the hatred that he's receiving. It just seems to be a lot of it's, knee jerk team yeah. didn't win playoff game coach bad. And and I don't think that's a it's very, people not being, it's just people not being reasonable or not thinking about what's actually happened. When right. you consider the, the, the path that John Hines has actually had in Nashville, I think David Poyle is right. He has not gotten a fair shake. He's not had everything that he needed. He had, he's had exactly one training camp to run with this team, which is a very important thing because that is when you install all of your processes. That's when you install, here's what our offense is going to look like. Here's the roles everyone's going to have. Here's your goals for this year. Here's yep. our here's our mindset from day one. Here's where we want to be by game 82. Here's where we want to be going into the playoffs. Like That's where all that happens. He's had one chance at that. He's been able to do that one time. Maybe give him another couple of chances at that before you say, he's got to go, he sucks. Everyone yeah, wants to point to this record in New Jersey. Like, that New Jersey team was awful. 
And he still got him to the playoffs. Yeah, he did. And I yeah. think I think what's and more more to his credit, you know. <clears throat> again, I, I tend to look at things from the human side here, and and, and less of the uh, hockey business side. I don't know, I don't know why, but you know, you hear the way that the players on the team have talked about the team, um, and the way they support each other and things like that. And I mean, I know there's been teams that have have done that before, and I, I know that when you're winning, for example, it it feels really good and you feel a sense of camaraderie, but it seems like this team this past season has really played for each other. They've really had each other's backs. You look at, you even look at things like uh, look at Connor Ingram coming up and and playing and the relationship he developed with Mark Borowiecki very quickly. You know, that, that doesn't happen in a toxic environment. That doesn't happen in an environment where people will praise each other in public and, and and not snipe each other, you know, in private. So I think, building a culture amongst that team and doing it in spite of, um, you know, dealing with COVID and, and, yeah. and coming in in the middle of a season and just having all of these, you know, it's really, if you look at from the time he was hired to the beginning of this, his first full season, what a weird ride that must've been yeah. to be the new guy and goodness to, to come through that, take the team a team with Luke Cunning um, playing 82 games in the regular season and Nick Cousins out there, Nick Cousinsing, um, and to still make it to the playoffs. I mean, that's that's well, pretty I, impressive. I think that I, I ironically, I think the Luke Cunning thing is probably the one thing on John Hines' resume that is probably not good for him. I mean, the fact that he kept kept up with he he does he does make odd decisions. Uh, Hines does. I mean. The, the decision to roll out Ben Harper every uh, for for half the season was odd. I, I guess it was part of the building the physicality of the team, but like it just really it, there were so many times when it didn't work. Luke relying on Luke Cunning as a top six winger all year. Um, the decision to bench or to sorry to to uh, to um, what am I trying to say? Move down in the lineup to demote, I guess. Uh, guys like Tolvanen and to and Tomasino at times when, when maybe they really needed better chances and not worse chances. Uh, and, and then, and then, you know, some of the line shuffling people don't like as much. I think the, the decisions to, to ride UC Soros hard was, was maybe against him, but it does sound like UC Soros was like all about it. He was like, but players are going to do that. They're going to be like, I want to play every game. And Soros is like a young guy. So he's like, I feel great. And send me out there, coach. The coach needs to step in and be like, you know what? You've played sixty-eight games this year. You need to you need to sit for a little bit because you're we need you. Um, uh, real quick though, before we talk about the next thing, um, we need to mention uh, we still have sponsors for this show, and that would be Relax the Back. Oh, so here's the thing with me, Sean. I have I have awoken, I have awakened almost every day with. Uh, some neck pain in my, like some neck and like upper back and shoulder pain. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why this is, but I think it could be my pillow. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to 2020 Glen Echo Road, relax the back store right there in Green Hills, Tennessee. And I'm going to talk to Glenn and maybe anyone else that's on staff about a possible pillow replacement. They've got this thing called the Temper Neck Pillow. It's a Tempur-Pedic 
pillow. They've got a contour side pillow, which is like a cradling. Maybe I need to like, if I, I lay on my side, so like maybe I need to be, uh, have a little side pillow. that's like a perfectly contoured. Anyways, I don't know what I need, but I need something because it, my neck pain is bad. So I'm going to go to relax the back to check it out. Uh, if you want to work better, live better, feel better every day, you've got to go to relax the back. If you sleep well, you will live well. I've been sleeping okay. I just, I've been waking up with neck pain. It's really annoying. So uh, they have tons of options for customized comfort when you sleep, work, or just relax at home. Um, obviously, I've talked about the pillows for sleep, but like they've got zero gravity chairs. They've got these uh, wonderful massage chairs that are incredible technology, techno gel mattresses. You've just got to go to check out the store, 2020 Glen Echo Road in Green Hills. You know where it is. If you've been to Green Hills, you know exactly where we're talking about. It's in that little hovel over there where there used to be a GameStop. What are you laughing at? Hovel? Yeah. Okay. It's by like Hillsborough High School and everything. So it's it's, yeah. it's like perfect. Uh, but you go there and you'll learn about the healthy, I'm sorry, the, the four pillars of wellness, healthy sleep, healthy work, healthy body, and healthy mind. Um, one thing that was also mentioned in the press conference, Philip Forsberg came up. So if I was to make a chart, we love charts, right? If I was uh, to make a yeah. chart of, of general confidence in signing Philip Forsberg, it would have been steadily going just steadily, but not, not sharply going up over the course of the season. I would have been pretty confident that they were going to sign Forsberg. Okay. Okay. Even through the trade deadline, even through the, in fact, especially through the trade deadline, because I think if, if Poyle had any inkling that he couldn't sign him, he would have traded him. So it's been steadily going up, but then at game four of the playoffs, when Philip Forsberg does that little skate, the, the slope would have flattened in terms of my confidence. It would have been flat now. All of a sudden, we're not going up in confidence anymore. And then it would have started going down after what David Poyle said on Thursday. And the reason is because for the first time, he mentioned a plan B, right? Mm -hmm. He said the very legalistic sort of, we're working with him. We feel, we feel very confident he wants to come back. We know we want to have him back. We just got to work out the details. But... There's always a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. That's the first time he's mentioned that. He, he mentioned those plans. And I think, you know, he made the comment later on that people kept bringing up the $10 million of cap space, you know, mm -hmm. played the whole season oh, with yeah. $10 million of cap space, blah, blah, blah. But that wouldn't you know, have mattered or, for this. That wouldn't have mattered for Forsberg. I don't know why people brought that up. Well, no, but the, the thing is he made the comment that if, they re-signed Forsberg, that would take up most of that cap space. But it the, the problem is it doesn't. I think people people hear, you know, oh, Forsberg wants $9 million a season. Um, that doesn't mean that the Predators would have $1 million left in cap space. Yeah. They already pay them right. $6 million a year. You're talking about $3 million more. Well, You're they talking have... about Go still ahead. having $7 million in cap space you know, based on this season, much less all of the other contracts and things that are going to fall off. Well, Pete, um, I, if, if that's what people think, that's like, that's, that's way off base because that's not how it works. Like next year, the Predators have right now 25 million in cap space. If they were to sign Forsberg, even at 10 million, they'd have 15 million more to sign guys like 
I mean, they're not going to sign these guys, but like Cousins is expiring. Uh, ben, Matt Benning is expiring. There's RFAs like Cunnan and Matt Luff and Yakov Trenin. They have way more money. I've been saying this since day one. They have yep. they have so much money to spend on this. There is not yeah. a money issue in any way. Sorry, I, go ahead. I, I, the thing, is, but you're but you're exactly right, I and mean, that's the thing is. And I'm going to tell you, you know, you said if people think that they're way off base, people think that, Alex. People yeah. who people who like hockey that know that I cover the team, they well, come up to they, me and they, they say, "Listen to this damn show," because we will tell them the truth. We should we should change the name to tell, this damn show. Tell um, them to listen to this show. They will get the truth. The Predators have twenty five million dollars in 2022-2023 cap space to spend on Philip Forsberg. They could go sign Johnny Goudreau too if they wanted to. They could spend twenty million dollars on Johnny Goudreau and Philip Forsberg and still have five million left. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is my my question is you know you hear them talk about Plan A being signed Philip Forsberg and then giving the excuse that takes up most of the cap space. But it doesn't. And yeah. the thing is, so if there if there's a plan B and there's a plan B that involves not having Forsberg and twenty five million dollars worth of cap space, who are you going to go out and get to come in and play not just the Philip Forsberg role, but to play all of those other roles that we're talking. We've been hearing them talk about uh, mm -hmm. the needing the, the firepower on the second line. And, and that's what's a little concerning to me is that if Forsberg walks. I don't know that you can replace him. I mean, uh, not in not in house. No, they have no. to go get somebody. But who are you going to go get? Because now, well, you have to entice someone to come play, and it's like, hey, you could come play with Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. They just scored mm -hmm. forty goals I, apiece. But then you take away that Forsberg element, you can't use him as a as a draw to get someone to come play in Nashville because it says, hey, look what we just did to Philip Forsberg. We let him walk. Yeah, come sign a contract. Uh, so on the money issue, on whether or not he's willing to spend the money, at the at the press conference Thursday, I forget who it was that asked him this, said, are there any budget, it might have been Joe Rexroad, are there any budget restrictions from above in terms of like why he didn't spend at the cap? The answer was no. There's no, he's not been given any budget restrictions. And he said also, um, the reason he didn't spend at the cap is he just didn't feel like the time was right to go ahead and, and go all in. I, I I think that's probably a wise move. I think he's right. I think if they had spent the cap and then gotten swept, that would be even worse, right? I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. and not just that, but if if you look at the past season, you know, for example, and see what you're coming off of with a, you're not coming off of a full season, you're not coming off of a normal season. It wasn't a good year, I think, to make big commitments uh, contractually, and so yeah. you know, saving some space if the you know, if a possibility open at the trade deadline for a really big, you know, acquisition, a big, uh, you know, trade and sign type of deal, you know, it's it's good to have that leeway. I guess. The, I think he's the, done. I think he's done with the trade and signs. I think he does. I think he got burned with the <laughs> thing. You know, like he yeah. No, I mean, I but get you, it. You, know, you make a good point. I mean, it, the, you could have seen something like that. I mean, there were guys that were eligible for that kind of a thing, and uh, I, you know, that that wouldn't have been out of the question. I I just think Poyle is like. I'm never doing that again, ever. What do you What do you think? I mean, there's a ten million dollar hole on your uh, on your roster, though. I mean, clearly that 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 was uh, probably earmarked for somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know that there's a lot of talk. Like, 
oh, we had to move some contracts to create some space for the future. But I don't think they were talking about clearing contracts and making space for the future in a season or two. I think they were, I think there was probably a swing and a miss somewhere out there. I think it was, I, I think probably they, they were anticipating, I, I don't know that for this year, the $10 million gap this year, I don't think they were planning to do anything with. I think it goes back to what they were planning on doing for next year, starting next year, because that's when um, the all of the major contracts would would kick in with big money, like all, the Yossi contract, the Ellis contract, the, the Duchesne, uh, Eckholms, like all of it would would really kick in. That was that was a big year. So I think it was just preparing. I think this year was more about he wanted to try to see how many of his young guys could could break out and see if they could do it with a little bit of cap space and you know, they were one of the only teams with that much cap space to actually make the playoffs. So maybe the only team, uh, but on, on the note of budget restrictions, he said, Boyle said, Poyle said there was no restriction for this year and there's no restriction for this summer either. And he's, he said, I think he suggested that we can expect to see them spend some money. So like, you're not going to see them go out and just like, Oh, we made one signing. We signed, Paul Stastny to a $4 million contract and we're done. Like they're not going after Paul Stastny, but I'm just saying that like that, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see, we made one signing of a $4 million forward and we're now we're done. I think you're going to see some money spent. I, I don't know exactly what, maybe that maybe it's, maybe there's trades involved. Who knows? But the big names obviously are Johnny Goudreau. Um, there's, I mean, Nazem Kadri is a free agent. I would really be surprised if they went after him. Uh, Patrice Bergeron is retiring. I think Claude Giroux is a question. Um, one, two names that came up. Now, uh, do you remember this? When we were talking to John Hines on the side conversation, he mentioned two players. Do you remember who he mentioned? I do. He, so he talked to. We were, yeah, we, we were talking to John Hines, and he was talking about just, he was, it was a really good conversation about the overall kind of skill level of his team and where they want to get next year. And, uh, it was kind of part of a larger conversation where he was talking about how the, the progression has always been get physical this year, get big and physical this year, which right. check mark job check. accomplished. You did that <laughs> and how, yeah. um, and then to, to add skill and speed next year or not necessarily speed, but definitely add skill. Right. And two names that he mentioned, which were interesting is he talked about, he mentioned Andre Berifkovsky and Valerie Nichushkin yeah. of the Colorado Avalanche. Now, was he mentioning these two players just because it was fresh on their mind? They had just faced these players and they were they came to mind, they scored some goals, like they were they're good players, they're fast. Or were these players that could be targets for the Predators? Because both of those players are free agents. Burakovsky, Nichushkin, both free agents. Burakovsky's 27. He's a wing. And Nachushkin's also a wing. He's 27. They're both 27. Both expiring free agents of Colorado next th this coming summer. Are they unrestricted free agents? Unrestricted. Who yeah, would you? Yeah, they're, they're definitely past their RFAs. Nachushkin, they're both actually very interesting stories. I mean, Burakovsky had so much promise in Washington uh, and then was traded, I believe, to, to Colorado. Maybe he wasn't traded. Nachushkin definitely was not traded. Nachushkin is the one that uh, came into Dallas and was like a, a really pretty, had a lot of promise as, a, as an elite scoring winger, had struggles, went back to Russia for two years, 
came back to finish his contract. He went the Radulov route. He, he yeah. came back came back to North America to finish his contract with Dallas, then signed a free agent contract with Colorado and has been great. I mean, he had a great year. I can't see them signing either one of those players, but I thought it was interesting that he mentioned them. There's tampering rules, but I think they really only apply to David Poyle. David Poyle didn't mention a single name. Obviously, he can't. But I don't think John Hines – I think John Hines can say whatever he wants. So interesting that he mentioned those. Maybe those have come up in conversations. Who knows? Well, I think, you know, definitely fresh on their minds. I mean – It's probably, probably they just faced them, yeah. I mean, you get you get punched on Monday. You still have the bruise on Friday, right? <laughs> That's right. So. Um we're gonna we're gonna dive. I'm, we have so many weeks to dive into free agency, but there's there's a lot of interesting names out there. I mean, like Ricard Raquel is a free agent. I really like him as a as a scoring winger. Ricard Raquel is he's he really outshined a lot of players out in Anaheim, and then had a pretty good pretty good showing in Pittsburgh too. Um, and Pittsburgh has all kinds of cap issues. So I don't think they're gonna resign him. Um, there's Raquel's name always comes up too. I mean, he's a, anytime he's available, there's a lot of interest in him from a lot of teams. I think he would be a great (laughs) fit, honestly, just, I mean, you've seen what Um, he can do and he does it wherever he goes. So Max Domi is available. Um, but I don't know the situation with Carolina. Maybe they're going to resign him. Who knows? Um, Callie Arncroke. Uh, there's there's a lot more names on here. We're not going to go through all this now, but the, there's we'll have plenty of time to talk about those. But the, there's some there's some interesting options, and and the Predators could uh, could really go after that. Um, the only thing I wanted to mention before we go is oh the for, I guess the, the to close on the Forsberg thing. Um, I am I am now not as confident as I would as I was before that they would resign him during the season. I was pretty confident it was going to get done. I really don't know now. I mean, I, I, the, the, all these numbers that are throwing around about he wants nine and a half or he wants, you know, north of nine and they only want to give him eight just makes me think they are really going to get hung up on this Yossi thing that, that he can't get more than Yossi, which is the stupidest thing that anyone had. It, it, that argument, if that's what they think is they can't give Forsberg more than Roman Yossi. They deserve to have him go off in free agency. Like that's such a stupid way to think about it. Forwards get paid more than defensemen. It just happens. I don't care how good the defenseman is. Forwards get paid more than defensemen. They're they're more important for scoring and scoring wins games. Like I, I'm sorry, it just doesn't make any sense that you would you would sit there and say, well, he can't make more than nine point oh five or oh five nine or whatever it is that UFC gets. That's such a stupid argument. Just scoring. pay him what he wants. Who scoring cares? wins games. Defense wins championships. Alex, I mean, or is that but just like, football? I don't know. Roman Yossi scores. That's why he. That's why he gets paid this high. If Roman that's Yossi right. wasn't the elite scorer he was, he would be getting like six million a year. Yeah, and I, I think you're right though. <laughs> if you if you if the hill you want to die on and you want your your franchise to die on is that no one can get paid more than Roman Yossi, then. You're really just saying we're we're not willing to have someone who's going to come in and be, you know, uh, not guaranteed, but at least a threat to score yeah. 40, 50 goals every season. Um, and if that's what you want to do, then you're going to have to get your scoring from somewhere else. And it's going to have to be a team effort. It's going to have to come from the second line and mm-hmm. the fourth line. And I'm not going to complain about the third line this year because they were, I mean, 
quite frankly, I thought they did a pretty good job. But if you look at, I, I'm sorry, I'm stuck on this thing with the defenseman. Okay, one, two. Hang on, I'm counting. Three, four. Top 25 contracts in terms of cap hit this year. Top 25 contracts. Okay. Four are defensemen. Okay. One, two, two are goalies. Yossi. The rest, the rest are forwards, huh? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Was it be Yossi, Carlson? Yossi, um, Carlson. Do you, do you want to guess or do you want me to tell you? Petrangelo. Not Petrangelo. No. Okay. Dowdy, because he's, he's had that contract forever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, oh, where is it? Uh, Dougie Hamilton. Hamilton. Those are the four okay. defensemen. The two goalies are Sergei Bobrovsky and Carey Price. Yeah. So the rest are forwards, and they're not even, like, incredible forwards. I mean, like, they're they're good forwards, but they're, like uh, – I mean, I'm sorry. They, let me take it back. They are incredible forwards. I'm not saying that they're not good. What I'm saying is they're not um, – They're not, they're not all like Connor the only McDavid. good player on their team. Mitch Marner is one, for example. Yeah, right. Mitch Marner is the third best player forward on that team. So right. like, there's there's a lot of uh, of forwards on on in the top twenty five that are just like they're they're not um, Wayne Gretzky's you know they're not Mark Messier or something they're they're like right. they're just really good players that are probably going to be um, great on their team but they're not Hall of Fame players or anything like they're, they're just right. really good yeah Tyler Sagan I mean like I, I think there's there's a uh, why am I talking about that? Because Forsberg should get paid more than Yossi. I'm sorry. It's just true. Forwards should get paid more than defensemen. You paid Roman Yossi $9 million. It was. I think it's a fine contract. I think it's fine. I think I think Forrest, Philip Forsberg can get 9.5 or 10 because that's kind of where things are going. I mean, can we just be realistic here and point out the yeah. fact that they're paying Ryan Johansson $8 million a season? All right, what are you saying? Are you saying that they... I mean, it, so if there's a problem paying Forsberg more than Yossi, you certainly can't have a problem paying Forsberg more than Johansson. I mean, he's getting eight million a year. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I, I think I think that I think the seat. I'm sorry, the floor of where they want to pay Forsberg is definitely above eight million. I I wouldn't be surprised if they're coming back to him with like eight two five or eight and a half. And he's like, no, I want nine and a half. I mean, which I is a that's crazy, fine. Yeah. If it comes down to just like a million dollar difference, that's yeah. so dumb. I mean, why yeah, people no. think that that matters so much? Because would you rather overpay Forsberg by a million or a million and a half? Or would you rather take a risk signing like, four different forwards who may or may not produce at less than that overall cap hit and sucking like yeah, that. I, I mean, I, I always think back in situations like this, Alex, to, to the, uh, to the Oakland days back in the seventies. And, oh, yeah. you know, I, I think for me, and this is not going where you think it is, unless you're thinking this, but you know, you just say, look, you know, we're going to, we're going to pay you. Um, you know, what do you want? You want nine and a half? Okay, look, we're going to give you eight and a half. We're going to guarantee that you have a $2 million contract to endorse mustache wax for the rest of your yeah. tenure in Nashville. And there, now look, you're making $10.5 million. 
but it's eight and a half on paper and everybody's happy. I mean, you know what? Create your own mustache wax and you'll sell out. It's mustaches are very popular right now, Alex. They're really missing an opportunity to not just keep Forsberg in Nashville, but to create a brand of mustache wax that meets the needs, not just of elite hockey players, but of your everyday mustache wearer. I mean, they should, they should probably go for that. I was just looking at uh, the, the most comparable, <laughs> the most comparable player that I can think that, that, the, the contract that they, I think they should fit. Now, it's, it's not a perfect match because this contract was signed a couple of years ago, but I think in terms of player fit and value to the team would be Mark Stone. Mark Stone yeah. makes not Mark Stone makes nine and a half a year. Mark Stone yep. is not as the, uh, not the goal scorer that, uh, that Forsberg is. He's a, probably a better overall player, like all around player. Cause he's, he's really good uh, playmaking forward. He's great defensively. Like Mark Stone's very, very good. Makes nine and a half a year. That would be the contract I think would fit perfectly for Forsberg. Nine and a half a year. He's he's incredibly good offensively. I mean, just had 40 goals. He's only, how old is he? I don't even know. Um, 27, 28. How old is Forsberg? 27, I think. 27. So, nine and a half would make sense. No one seems to think, look, Mark Stone didn't take the, the Vegas Golden Knights to the promised land. He had some injuries, I know, but like no one seems to think that that contract is too over overpaid. People were like, "Oh, that's a great deal for Mark Stone when he signed that." Like, yeah. I why why no. there's this like and, quabble over? Nope, Forsberg is only worth eight million. He's only well, worth eight and a half. But how much? Pay him, did, pay how, him nine and a half. Just do it. Sorry, go ahead. How many goals did Mark Stone score in the playoffs this year? <laughs> None, because Vegas did not make the playoffs. <sighs> Oh, that's right. Not his Sorry fault. It was not not necessarily on him. But <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, like you said, there he he didn't take them to the promised land. Didn't even take them to the playoffs. So yeah. you know, it's it's yeah. not like it's a great comparison. <laughs> Again, it didn't guarantee a cup every season, and and signing yeah. Forsberg to nine and a half million dollars won't do that either. But right. I think you're a better team with him on it than you are without him. So yeah, pay the man. Uh, anything else you want to mention before we go? Um, <clears throat> honestly, I just want to say how nice it was to actually have the opportunity to talk to John Hines, you know, in a, in a non um, media availability, you know, press conference yeah. setting. Um, really, you know, you, you don't, we haven't really had that opportunity. Um, yeah. I mean, what he got, he got hired. They had, well, I don't know. They didn't have a ton of games before um, COVID hit and, and the, the, the season shut down. So I think getting that opportunity just to talk, you, you realize this guy wants to talk hockey. He, uh-huh. he wants to talk shop and it's, it's pretty impressive to see him go. He's like you said, he's recalling just off the top of his head, specific plays from games six months ago. Um, in the impact it's had on players. Um, I feel like he could pretty much walk you through every game the team played this season without having any prep time at all. If mm. you asked him tomorrow. And that was just impressive to me. It, it tells you, I think, and not, not saying that other coaches can't do similar things, but I've, I've, I don't think I've seen one be able to recall something with that much detail from six months ago, just on the fly. So that's, 
that was pretty impressive. Um, yeah. it was a good conversation. We, we had a good conversation with him and, uh, he got some, he, I got some really good information on Philip Tomasino that, yeah. um, I'm going to be writing about sometime soon for, for A to Z sports. And you can check that out at azsports.com if you go, if you choose to, but I, I will say this about John Hines. I, I think he is like, I think he's got a plan for yeah. like a long, a long-term plan for where, how he wants to take this team. And I think two years is a really good amount of time to see if that plan works. Now at the end of this two years, because it's next season, 2022, 23 and mm-hmm. 23 and 24. Mm-hmm. If at the end of the two years, you've not seen any progress then I think fans fans can really clamor for real change because I think I think that his kind of a plan does take a little bit of time. But after two years, if you don't see any progress, if you don't see um, an, an increase in the skill and the competition level, like there, there there's going to be issues there. But I think he's right. got a plan. I think he, I think his plan makes sense. I think he's got a real good idea for how to develop players like Philip Tomasino, who we talked about, um, the young defenseman like Alex Carrier, Dante Fabro. I think he's got a good sense for where, for, for what kind of um, competition is required for which team. So like he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he, he knows that playing a team like Calgary and a team like Tampa and a team like Colorado requires a different level and a different strategy. And so he, he's not, he's not going into it just boilerplate. And we're going to do the same thing every night. He knows how to, right. he knows how to, ins and outs of coaching his team over an 82 game season. And um, it's just, they didn't have the, they didn't have the horses in the playoffs. Like they just didn't. No. And that's, that's something David Poyle said. I got to go out this off season and get some dogs, horses, dogs, soldiers, dogs. Got to get that dog in them. That's what you yep. need. That's right. <laughs> All right. So hopefully you enjoyed this audio only version. You didn't get to see us, but you heard us. And uh, you can check out all the hockey coverage you want at a to z sports.com. Please also go to on the forecheck.com as well. Uh, they always have really good draft stuff over there. So when the draft hits, definitely check it out there. Uh, Eric does a fantastic job prepping everyone for the draft. Because if you're like me, I don't have time to go follow all these prospects and everything. So I just spend a lot of time on on the forecheck going and checking out you- everything there. Uh, you are not, not, not just Eric, but like Rachel does a really a, a lot of good stuff there. Sean usually has some stuff up uh, recapping the draft and all kinds of stuff too, right? Don't you? You, you are not going. Yeah, I, I usually get to talk to the players after they get drafted, um, which you know comes from the <laughs> those those conversations come from uh, me asking Eric, "Hey, Eric." Tell me about this guy. Yeah, right. And then uh, Eric Dune is probably, I don't know if you're going to find a better prospects guy. He knows Eric what he's is. doing and he yeah. watches the games. Like, I mean, he it does. Is, he puts in yeah. the work. Absolutely just incredible draft coverage. And I'll tell you, and I, I don't mean to just extend this and make this an Eric Dune uh, fanboy session here, but, you know, going into things like, like the, like the prospects game or, you know, the camps and things like that, um, knowing what he's told me about those players really allows me to watch those players better. And then when I have the opportunity to follow up with them to really ask, you know, good questions that let them know like, Hey, you know, I'm not just some guy who is here covering the team, but I'm Mm -hmm. familiar with your work. I know who you are and where you come from and all of that hundred percent comes from Eric. 
And uh, I mean, he's absolutely incredible. There's no way that we could do uh, that. We could cover everything that happens with this team and also all of the potential, um, all, all of the prospects that are currently in the system, but also all of the draft coverage where you're wondering, you know, who's going to be available and what, what league they play in and what their competition level is like. Yeah. All of that stuff is very difficult. You have to rely on people who know what they're doing and who spend the time to talk about that. And Eric's great at that. So it, yeah. you have to rely on that. And I always do because he's, he's, he's great at it. And, and not it, I, like I said, not just Eric, but I know, I know Rachel watches a lot of that stuff and um, she pays attention to it. And, and, and everyone on the forecheck knows, knows prospects. So kudos to them. So uh, be paying attention to that. And uh, I think... We'll have more coming up. I mean, we got so much to talk about over the next few weeks, so stick with us. Follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1. Follow Sean on Twitter at SCSOTF. And we'll see everybody next week. Sean is still waving, even though we can't see him.